Welcome everybody, all you Patriots out there. Welcome to episode 85 of the Patriot Review. If this is the first time you're joining us, thanks for being here. You can follow me on all of the major social media sites uh, other than Twitter or Facebook. I have some presence, but I really haven't done much there for a long time because they love to attack my content, as you well know. So we're gonna we got a packed show today, and there is so much going on in the news cycle that stuff changes so fast. Um, it seems like these days that's more true than ever. So I want to focus on capitalism today, um, but I have a, a few things to talk about up front, and I wanted to share some videos with you and talk to you about. Uh, what we've seen this week, specifically the attack on any Trump voter as the enemy of the state. Before we do, though, I would like to just ask you to support the Patriot Review. You can do so by going to AmericaFirstProductions.com. That's number one, STProductions.com. America First Productions is the name that I am going to do documentaries under. And the current project is High Treason You Decide. It's a six-part docuseries. You can learn more about it on the website. You can also donate to it. That would be awesome if you would do that. I don't uh, actually make any money for doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, so that help would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can go to MyPillow.com and use a code TPR, the Patriot Review, TPR. Pretty easy to remember. And you can support Mike Lindell and his employees. You can get some great deals like the MyPillow uh, Percale bed sheets which uh, when they're sold out, they're done. So it's a limited quantity. So go check that out. $39.98. Can't beat that price. One of the things that I really like about Mike Lindell is he's a very, very generous person. And uh, I actually have a lot of product from MyPillow. And I I will say that it is the best quality that I've seen in, in everything that he sells. So Check that out. Use the code TPR. That would be greatly appreciated. Lastly, I I have a new affiliate, and you've probably seen Kirk Elliott uh, on other shows. And I'm going to start showing, when I have time for it, a weekly economic outlook. And that will be at the end of today's show. So you can check that out. Now, Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., Private Advisors. And you can go to KirkElliottPhD.com forward slash the Patriot Review, and that will actually earn me a little money um, if you purchase. So, again, that's KirkElliottPhD.com forward slash the Patriot Review, and that would be greatly appreciated as well. Um, we definitely want to um, consider these days precious metals, obviously the economy. We're in trouble now, and it's only going to get worse, according to everybody that I watch. Um, so I am not, uh, I am not the investor that has all the knowledge or the financial advisor that has all the knowledge, but you can go to Kirk Elliott and they certainly would give you some great advice. So check that out. Okay. So if you did not see Biden's speech in front of Independence Hall, you would have thought that you were watching a completely different regime and that's what it is it's a regime so he calls all the trump supporters semi-fascists i don't know what the word semi-fascist means either you are or you're you aren't but the true american fascist is 
the guy who's sitting up there. And look at the, there's been a lot made about the background. I'm just going to grab my phone here quick and, and go through a few things. So uh, we are considered the fascists because we voted for a person that we believe in to be the best candidate for president. Um, I spent a whole episode on who the real fascists are, but just a couple things. So who wanted to control your, your health care with Obamacare? Who violated states' rights in the first place with Roe versus Wade? Who is constantly attacking every citizen's constitutional right to self-defense? Who closes businesses illegally in a planned pandemic with a 99.98% survival rate? Who mandates an experimental bioweapon called a vaccine, which is not a vaccine, it's an mRNA uh, modifying gene modifying bioweapon who kneels and makes excuses for self-proclaimed Marxist people who state they were Marxist uh, that being BLM and also Antifa or Antifa or whatever you want or however you pronounce it who 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 kneels to that to those people justifies them burning down city blocks justifies them attacking people justifies them looting and says in Pelosi's words, frankly, I don't know why there's not more of it or in uh, Harris's words, they're going to continue to do it and they should. Which party is saying those things? Which party uh, attacks federal buildings or supports people that attack federal buildings with people inside trying to light it on fire and kill them? Which party gets rid of bail as often as they can in every state that they can or, and releases violent offenders to go back on the streets, rape, murder, and assault innocent people? Which party is doing that? Which party is, is blindly disobeying the laws and the constitution of this country? Which party violates the rights of citizens and holds them illegally as political prisoners for an event that was obviously staged on January 6th. Now we know there were, I don't know, over 20 FBI agents that participated in that. Uh, which party violates the rights of citizens' free speech and works with big tech or corporations in order to do that? Which party is then controlling the news narrative and spreading propaganda and the true disinformation. Which party destroys our nation's sovereignty by allowing an invasion across our southern border from up to as many as 150 countries who are emptying their prisons and those people are coming into our country? Yes, there are great people coming into our country, but that's what we have the law for. You go through the process uh, and guess what? You become a citizen. But every country has a right to determine who's coming in. So who violates that? Uh, which country has congressmen and congresswomen who are openly calling for violence uh, against the opposite party and the citizens who support it? Which I can give you examples I've shown on several of my shows when I point out that on January 6th, President Trump said peacefully uh, protest and made it a point to say that. But we have people like Maxine Waters who say, get up in their face. We have Pelosi who 
condones tearing down statues and says, I don't care about statues. And we can, we can go through this, but I had, uh, I wanted to bring up this, this imagery on his speech, Biden's speech. If you look behind him, you can see the red, it almost looks like wings, right? And that imagery has been seen before. And I'll give you a little hint here. This is what I see when I look at that backdrop. The color red and blue that they used are not the same colors as, a, as are in our flag. Uh, we have this, this uh, fascistic e- eagle type of setting and backdrop. And he had Marines there as well, and I feel sorry for those Marines, and I think it's disgusting that a president would use them. Remember, this is the president who said, uh, you know, he can he can counterattack citizens and kill us with F-15s, and, and who's the real fascist, right? So, um, again, another picture of how that looks. There it is in the backdrop. You got the, the flags there that are vertical instead of horizontal. Now, we have seen this this type of thing before. Now, Biden and the Biden regime has gone full fascist on us. There's no question about that. But there was another president not so long ago who, as a college student, was out in front of a big rally uh, demanding socialism in America. And, and this ties into capital. We'll talk uh, capitalism. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But who was that president? And what was the imagery used by that president? Well, his name was Barack Obama, and the imagery used was really more on the communist side, straight out of the imagery that we've we've seen with um, Lenin and Stalin, and you know, so that that has this has been going on for a long time. It's not just it's not just Biden, but I do think that the shift has gone from a more socialist one, like Barack Obama had, to a uh, full-out fascism and declaring that half of the population in this country are the fascists and that, um, you know, threatening us because we are the people who actually believe in individual liberty and freedom. We believe in our Constitution, and they want to take those rights away from us. It's more than obvious if you think about the list that I had I just presented to you, and I, uh, as I said, I covered that in ex- in episode 74, the Uniparty of Destruction, because by no means is this all just a Democrat thing. There are Republicans who look the other way, and there are a lot of people now, uh, Jim Jordan, who I happen to like, is saying, you know, we're going to guarantee impeachment if we win the House. Well, frankly, in- impeaching Biden isn't enough. The COVID debacle, the global depopulation efforts of the globalists and the fascists, those, we, we need accountability. We don't need uh, just impeaching this guy. He needs to go to prison. And, you know, the, the whole COVID debacle and uh, what he's doing now in, in the election and the election farce, you know, one of the things that the House could do is they could actually start investigating the election of 2020 and hold people accountable for that as well and hopefully that is something that we that we uh, actually pay attention to and take care of and hold people accountable so 
Um, just wanted to point that out, but I want to show you an example now using video. So here we have Joe. He he comes on, like I said, and he calls us fascists when we know that he's the true American fascist. And I want to remind you again of something that happened in the Obama administration and just do a, a short comparison of that. So I'm going to do that right now. What does that say to you? I mean, here we have the difference between, and I want to bring a special special emphasis on this. We have the imagery of a particular president uh, in the schools, and they're singing songs of a loyalty to a specific person, right? So <clears throat> Biden doesn't have near the charisma of really a dead yak, but Barack Obama certainly did, and what would you think would happen today if there was any school that actually did it, put together a program like that and sang praises to Donald Trump? How many heads do you think would blow up on the left? How many people would, would call that fascism or communism? Well, there it was. It was back in the Obama administration, and it's today. It's a party, a fascist party, who has taken over the Democrat Party. You had true Democrats like JFK, who got assassinated for, I believe, pointing out the um, the true agenda, the deep state, and that's just my opinion. Um, but you haven't had a true Democrat in office since then. And so I'm not saying Democrats are evil. These particular people, these particular people are evil. And so are the people who are allowing them to get away with it, who could do something about it. That's what I'm saying. I'm not not saying, uh, you know, I'm loyal to one party versus the other. I do think that you have to go out and you have to vote Republican. But I don't want I don't want to say Republican. I want to say you have to vote America first. And that's what they can't stand. They can't stand that there's people out there who actually know the Constitution, know what their rights are, know, you know, and people who don't want to be ripped off, uh, people who want to be respected. And 
people who want to take their power away from them because every organization. So I did a documentary, uh, Freedom Waning, The War Has Already Begun. And in that, we talked about, um, you know, the, the war that is we're already in, the war of words and everything else, and the war that we have in front of us. And I'm not condoning violence. Please don't take it that way. But the war that we have in front of us. And you can check that out if you want. That'd be great. That's available on my website, redbloodedpatriots.com. And uh, I want to go through and show you another video. Now, those kids, uh, those kids were being programmed. In our educational system, uh, we have that fight going on. We have the the fight with the Second Amendment, the fight with the First Amendment, and again, it's not the right that is limiting people's uh, voice and eliminating people's free speech. It's the far left. It's the fascist left. And I've said a number of times before that fascism, people like to say fascism is far right. No, it's not. It's far left. If you're far right, you want the smallest government possible. The farthest right would be anarchy. And that is the truth. So fascism really is uh, really is uh, far left, and for that reason. Uh, so that video really bothered me when it first came out. Um, I want to show another video uh, in comparison, but I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll do that just on the other side. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. I got to update that splash screen because I don't do bit shoot anymore. Uh, so when we when we before we had that break, we were showing you a video of the students who were praising Barack Obama, and you know it came out this week that the whole lap, Hunter Biden's laptop was covered up on purpose before the election, which they stole. Uh, you know, but imagine if for one second Donald Trump Jr. had pictures of himself with uh, little girls. Uh, pictures of himself doing crack. Uh, imagine if he took his weapon and 
you know, his weapon ended up in a garbage can in public. Uh, you'd never hear the end of it, and of course they'd put him in prison. But he had a particularly powerful response to uh, this whole this whole philosophy, this whole propaganda effort that we are the fascists, that the right is the problem, and that uh, you know they like they like to say we're we're basically destroying the democracy. And I, you know, there's so many people out there that point this out. But we're we're uh, a republic. We're not a democracy. So um, really, what they're saying is you're a threat to our power. Any agency, you know. And I I mentioned my other documentary. I had 750, I think, you know, or, governmental organizations, uh, you know. And once you have something put in place like that, you basically can't get rid of it, and they'll do whatever they can to keep their power. And I think that's true. You know, both sides of the aisle. And um, anyway, I wanted to show this video, and specifically he deals with press secretary, but it also fits what happened with Biden this week. Watch this clip, and then I'm going to talk about it extensively. But Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary of the United States of America, literally says that the people who voted for Donald Trump are, quote, a threat to our democracy, to our freedom, and to our rights. She's saying it out loud. She's saying it out loud. Watch for yourself, folks. Watch for yourself. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, The president has been clear, as he can be, on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. uh, The way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party, uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. At this point, they're very open about their intentions to make you like the enemy of the state. This is from Jesse Kelly, and I think he's 100% right. They do that so they can use the state's power against you, ultimately. If you're not paying attention at this point, I don't know what is. Remember, they talk about unity and yada, yada, yada. They're going to bring the country together. They literally just said 75 million voters are a threat to democracy, to our freedom, and to our rights. 75 million people. That doesn't sound like unity to me. Now the press will pretend that it is somehow magically trying to be, you know, doing what they're... Are they trying to create, like, a rift like you wouldn't believe? I mean, there have been some governments that have tried to dehumanize people like this throughout history. It hasn't worked out well. They were definitely not pro-democracy movements. They're really bad. In fact, the left has called our side, these people, uh, for the last, you know, half a decade. But it really seems like they're the problem, right? Because, like, they're the ones not denouncing Antifa violence, BLM violence. They pretend like people acting like fascists, they're anti-fascists, somehow, magically. Because words have no meaning with these idiots anymore. I thought that voting for whoever you wanted without hesitation was, like, the basic essence of democracy. Apparently not. Apparently not, according to uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. Now, I know she's above reproach because, as we've been told, she's in that position and she's doing a wonderful job because I guess she was the first black immigrant lesbian press secretary. So she's above reproach by the rules of the media and the left, right? That seems to be like, you know, you'd get a job if you could check off a bunch of boxes because clearly she doesn't know what she's talking about 99% of the time, at least to me. I'll say that so I don't get fact check. They'll pretend that she actually does, even though if you look at the basic responses to any question that's beyond like T-ball, um, it's just bad. 
I don't know how an administration can continually denigrate half of the voting population, essentially, uh, and then talk about unity. It's insane. Uh, it's absolutely insane. Now, the Republicans, it's their fault. This stuff happens because we've been so nice. We won't push back. We refuse to, like, you know, attack back with words peacefully, but even push back on this nonsense. And that's why we're in this position. They, they can weaponize everything against us because, you know, why not? The Republicans aren't going to do anything. I don't know how this ends well, though, guys. It's sad. I really hope that good prevails over evil. But, man, it's getting ridiculous. They're out in the open. They're really, like, thinking what she's saying. Uh, they're pretending like it's real, and it's just another day waging war on half the population. But it's for unity, folks. Like, we love democracy as long as you do everything that we tell you to. Democracy is just a pseudonym for power for this regime at this point. You know, they say it, but they don't really mean it. doesn't matter when you have a trillion-dollar institution in the media and big tech and all these guys working for your side. They just say this thing so casually, like it's, it's nothing. It's really become a battle between good and evil. And if the press secretary accuses us of being violent and extremists because we didn't vote for Joe Biden, essentially, they're getting way too comfortable speaking like this. People who disagree with us are a threat to democracy. Say the people that want to lock you down, want to tell you what you must do, must make every decision for you. It's gone too far, man. Yeah, it's like Rush Limbaugh. I think he was one day they're going to try to outlaw you from being a conservative. And honestly, how does this sound any different than that? But for unity, folks, you, we can't really let you exist like this. You're a threat to our democracy, but like unity. Yay. I hope you guys are watching, man. Christian, all-American families that just love everything about our country, patriots. You know, you're a threat to democracy, folks. You voted for Trump? Ooh, you must be bad. I mean, he solved, you know, peace in the Middle East. We had a booming economy. You got much for brains making trillion-dollar decisions your children will be beholden to. Plumbers are going to pay off the student loans of people who went to Harvard Law. Yeah, you voted for the other guy. Oh, a threat to democracy. 75 million threats to democracy just walking around freely. You know, are they going to start, like, making us, like, wear something to identify ourselves? I've seen that before. It doesn't work well. Not in history, at least. But, you know, again, that doesn't matter because, you know, they're writing history and they're the ones publishing history in the media. And they'll teach it at the academic institutions that they've taken over. And, you know, big tech will make sure that it. Yeah, yeah, that's the threat to democracy, not the people actually alienating millions of people from the highest office in the land. Yeah, those people, yeah, they're not the dangerous ones. It's the ones that voted for the guy that was actually doing a really good job versus the guy that can't get through a complete sentence. I hope you're paying attention, folks. Sorry for the long one. I could probably go on and on and on. In the next breath, they want to take away your guns, folks, because why don't you need them, remember? I mean, if you're going to take on the government, you're going to need an F-15. That's Joe Biden, right? Pay attention. Pay attention, folks. Sick. Exactly. So are you paying attention, everybody? I mean, I, I think we see who the real threat to freedom is, and we see the globalist agenda unfolding uh, right before our very eyes. And I think that if you deny that, you have no common sense. You, you look and you see and somehow the disconnect occurs because we have these talking heads in the mainstream media who deflect and who outright lie for 
not only this administration, but, you know, for the whole world, the whole Western world during COVID and, and everything else, it wasn't just an attack on America. It's an attack on Western civilization, you know, and America is the last stand against this tyranny. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to push you into being violent and do not do not do anything violent because then they will use it as an excuse to take it to that step that Donald Trump Jr. just talked about with, you know, start make, starting to make your, your thoughts illegal. And basically, they've already shown their willingness to imprison people for having different political beliefs. That's what January 6th really is. And on previous episodes, I showed... Ashley Babbitt's murder, pure murder. The gun was being pointed at that window, and he was just waiting for someone to come through. And this, you know, uh, I could go on about that, but, uh, you know, we saw two murders that day, actually. And now we see these people, you know, not uh, being given their their right to a uh, speedy trial. Uh, We see threats of uh, people, if you watched the rally last night, you see the aunt of one particular January 6th attendee who ended up hanging himself because of the attacks. And he simply was there to support the the uh, protest that basically was protesting the rigged election. And... It's a shame to see these types of things going on. I don't even recognize our country, and I'm sure you don't. So a little while ago, I showed a video of school children praising Obama, and I wanted to point out this aspect of fascism. In every fascist or communist or socialist nation, who who or what do they prop up? In every example, in those nations, the leader is akin to God. And in some cases, the propaganda is that the leader is God. So when we look back at our school children praising our leader, and again, people's minds would blow up if that was kids singing praise to Donald Trump. We look at that that group of people, again, a a president at that time who, while he was in college, was out in the forefront with a bullhorn and microphone you know, at socialist rallies. And now we have this fascist, right? And I want to show you the difference. We have one side who puts, their, puts the loyalty, the loyalty is to defend the ruler, versus the other side who are nationalists, who believe that the loyalty should be to the Constitution and to the country and what it stands for. I'm going to show you an example of that right now from the rally in Pennsylvania last night. Now, when Trump comes out, people are not chanting, you know, Trump. They're not begging loyalty to Trump. Uh, This is what they did do.
Well, thank you very much, and hello, Pennsylvania. Hello. So people are chanting USA. They're not chanting loyalty to Trump, and I accidentally hit the wrong button there first. I'm going to show that one right now. I, I went back, and it's some sometimes, you know, you just have to... Um, you have to decide whether you're going to laugh or cry. So sometimes I'll make skits, and um, I did. Uh, I did. I took the footage from Biden's speech, and I had a little fun with it. More appropriate, don't you think, rather than the uh, the normal Hill of the Chief? I think so. You can see that whole skit, by the way, on Frank Social. If you're not a member of Frank Social, you really should be. It's a it's an awesome uh, platform, and there's a lot more coming to it. I happened to be in Missouri for the Moment of Truth Summit. It was awesome, and I talked to the gal who is leading that effort for Frank Social, and it was really a pleasure to talk with her. And to learn about what's coming. So I want to change now, change course a little bit. And remember that I said, uh, and I have said all along, that all these things are interwoven. They're all related to each other. Right from the very beginning, you know, uh, of time, a government is, is concerned about power and wealth. So when you give the government power, it's very difficult to take that power back from them. And we've all seen, I think, most people who would watch me have probably seen people like Ben Shapiro or Dinesh D'Souza absolutely destroy the arguments of the far left, even when the intentions are good. And I do believe that, you know, um, LBJ's intentions uh, at least were, were partially positive, and there is some audio of him talking about the black vote and uh, it's not so nice language that he used in talking about the whole civil rights movement and the uh, uh, the social security and the things that FDR put in place and now all the other programs that LBJ was putting in place uh, you know really creating this loyalty that was going to last for 250 years Anyway, there are a couple other patriots that really did a good job and really talked about capitalism for what it is and not for the propaganda. And that's one thing I'd like to point out to people is you criticize America without understanding that the true American system and the true republic and the Constitution has been perverted. The same is true with with the economic side. Capitalism is not capitalism. What we are experiencing and practicing right now is not capitalism the way it was intended to be. There's a great documentary that I pointed out this week, and you can check it out on my site. You can also go to Stop World Control 
their, their website and check that out. I'm going to show you this. So this is uh, Monopoly Who Owns the World, an excellent documentary that deals with you know, who really is at the top pulling the strings, and I think you'd be surprised, so I highly recommend that. Uh, but I'm going to get to some video now and go through a couple of my favorites. Number one is Milton Friedman. If you haven't seen him, uh, I'm, I have a little collage of video, a little uh, clips of videos from some of his conversations with people like Phil Donahue to students in the in the audience and that sort of thing. So take a listen and see what you think. Tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worth, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems the only way in which you can redistribute effectively the wealth is by destroying the incentives to have wealth. And the question is, what is the way, what is the system which will offer those people who are so unlucky as to be born without uh, good positions, what is the system which will offer them the greatest opportunity? Well, one possible way of redistributing the wealth without affecting the incentives to earn as much income as possible is simply to have a 100% inheritance tax. Uh, but Since that, that won't not, affect the incentives, it's only after the person's I dead your, anyway. I beg your pardon. Uh, you're too, uh, I'm afraid, uh, uh, I don't know the family you come from. <laughs> I don't, uh, but as you grow up, you will discover that this is really a family society and not an individual society. We tend to talk about an individualist society, but it really isn't. It's a family society. And the greatest incentives of all, the incentives that have really driven people on, have largely been the incentives of family creation, a family of pursuing, of establishing their families on a decent system. What is the effect of 100% inheritance tax? The percent of a 100% inheritance tax is to encourage people to dissipate their wealth in high living. What's the harm in that? <laughs> the harm in that is that where do you get the factories? Where do you get the machines? Where do you get the capital investment? Where do you get the incentive to improve technology? If what you're doing is to establish a society in which the incentive is for people who, if they by accident accumulate some wealth, to waste it in frivolous entertainment, you know, the thing is that the thing that is amazing that people don't really recognize is the extent to which the market system has, in fact, encouraged people and enabled people to work hard and sacrifice in what I must confess I often regard as an irrational way for the benefit of their children. 
One of the most curious things to me in observation is that almost all people value the utility which their children will get from consumption higher than they value their own. Here are parents who have every reason to expect that their children will have a higher income than they ever had. And they scrimp and save in order to be able to leave something for their children. I think you are sort of like a bull in a china shop if you talk about the 100% inheritance tax having no incentive effects. It would destroy a continuing society. It would destroy a society. First of all, the government doesn't have any responsibility. People have responsibility. This building doesn't have responsibility. You and I have responsibility. People have responsibility. Second, the question is how can we as people exercise our responsibility toward our fellow man most effectively? That's the problem. So far as poverty is concerned, there has never in history been a more effective machine for eliminating poverty than the free enterprise system and the free market. The period in... <laughs> the period in which you had the greatest improvement in the lot of the ordinary man was the period of the 19th and early 20th century. Those of us in this room are the heirs of that. We benefited from the way in which our parents and our grandparents were able to come here. And by virtue of the freedom that was offered to them, were able to make a better life for themselves and our, them and us. But next, if you look at the real problems of poverty and denial of freedom to people in this country, almost every single one of them is a result of government action and would be eliminated if you eliminated the bad government failures. Let me be precise and specific. Why do we have so high an unemployment rate among black teenagers? It's a disgrace and a scandal. Why do we have so high an unemployment rate? First of all, because we give them lousy schooling through governmental schools, which make them unqualified to hold decent jobs. And second of all, we require employers to discriminate against them by not hiring them unless they have, uh, unless their productivity is enough to justify a minimum wage. The minimum wage rate is the most anti-Negro law in the books. And it's an anti-Negro law because it precisely, having first not, not enabled the young blacks to have a decent schooling so that they can, they can have productivity, we next deny them the on-the-job training that they might get if you could induce employers by a low, by being able to hire them for relatively low wages to give them on-the-job training that would make them qualify for higher payment and higher productivity. In the third place, we have constructed a governmental welfare scheme which has been a machine for producing poor people. We have induced people to come under control of welfare. We, I'm not blaming the people, don't misunderstand me. It's our fault for constructing so perverse and so ill-shaped a monster as the whole set of welfare programs we have under which we encourage people, uh, families to break up. We encourage people to move from one part of the country and come to another, under which we have, in effect, made many people poor. And yet, when all this is said and done, have I ever been where? Welfare or poor. I have, sir. Of course. Of course, more so than most of the people in this room. How many of you have worked a 12-hour day and gotten paid 78 cents? 
But let me go back to the, because, but you know that's all, all irrelevant. Is there one of you who is going to say that you don't want a doctor to treat you for cancer unless he himself has had cancer? <laughs> I could go down the line. But when all is said and done, while there are people in this country who are worse off than other people, by and large, the well, uh, the, even the poorest people in this country are relatively well off compared to the conditions in many other countries in the world. What we take as our standard of poverty, what we take as our standard of poverty, is above the average income of all of the people in the Soviet Union, let alone of the people in India or China or in other countries. Now, that doesn't mean we should be satisfied with it. We are a wealthier country and we've been more productive. And we should set higher standards by ourselves. But by the same token, we ought to have a sense of proportion. And we ought to recognize both the source and the problem. Equal pay for equal work laws are a source of apartheid. You know, the basic source of apartheid in South Africa was the insistence by trade unions on equal pay for equal work. The, equal, the women who go around today urging equal pay for equal work are being anti-feminist. They don't intend to be, but that is the effect of their policy. Because if there is any activity in which for any reason a male is preferable to a female, or vice versa, the only weapon the less productive sex has is to offer to work for less. And if you deny them that opportunity, you're assuring yourself that you're going to have all male jobs or all female jobs, or all white jobs or all black jobs. But aren't you also condemning them to stay that way? Not at all. Not at all. The typical course, if you go back to American history, by taking these low-paid jobs, a great many people, not all, but a great many people were able to develop skills and activities, accumulate a little skill, a little capital, a little knowledge, improve their lot, become uh, uh, advanced in the stage, get to a higher level of productivity, and get a higher income. That's been the typical way up the ladder for most of the people who came in here. It was a way up the ladder for my parents, for your parents, or grandparents, or great-grandparents, I don't know which. And that's the way in which, unfortunately, there's no way in which you can si immediately propel people to the top of the ladder. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Friedman, referring to the statements that you made about women who advocate equal pay for equal work. Gee, I thought I'd get a rise out of that sooner or later. Delighted to have it. Um, yes, okay, I just would like to know if you're insinuating or perhaps, you know, point blankly saying that um, women and other minorities' skills are inferior to those of those now holding those jobs and that they need to go through a period where their skills need to be improved and therefore deserve to be paid less? No, I don't think dessert has anything to do with it. I'm not, first of all, I think dessert is an impossible thing to decide. Who deserves what? Nobody deserves anything. <laughs> Thank God we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> But, but I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying a very different thing. I'm saying that the actual effect of requiring equal pay for equal work will be to harm women. If women's skills are higher than men's in a particular job and are recognized to be higher, the law does no good. 
because then they will be able to compete away and can get the same income. If their skills are less for whatever reason, maybe it isn't because they're it's their sex, maybe it's because they were out of the labor force, maybe it's for other reasons. And you say the only way you, can, you are able to hire them is by paying the same wage, then you're denying them the only weapon they have to fight with. If the unwillingness of the men to hire them is because the men are sexist, uh, are, 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 what's the phrase, racist, uh, sexist pigs or whatever, <laughs> if that's the only reason they want to hire them, nonetheless, you want to make it costly to them to exercise their prejudice. If you say to them, hmm, you have to pay the same wage no matter whether you pay hire women or men, then here's Mr. Sexist Pig. It doesn't cost him anything to hire men instead of women. However, if the women are free to compete and to say, well, now look, I'll offer my work for less, then he can only hire men if he bears a cost. If the women are really good as a man, as good as a man, then he's paying a price for discriminating. And what you are doing, not intentionally, but by misunderstanding, when you try to get equal pay for equal work laws, is what you are doing is reducing to zero the cost imposed on people who are who are discriminating for irrelevant reasons. And I would like to see a cost imposed on them. I'm on your side, but you're not. So there you have it. Uh, Friedman is one of my favorite, and he has a lot of views which really make you think. I'd like to know what you think about that video. You can email me at redbloodedpatriots.com. You can join my social media groups. I'm on Gitter. I'm on Frank Social. I'm on everything, but, uh, well, there's a lot of them, I guess. But I stay away from Facebook and Twitter, like I said earlier. So I really would like to have you on board. I'd like to hear what you think about about that, about the episode, about uh, posts and, and everything else. Uh, I'm building a, a pretty good following on Frank Social. So if I had my pick, I'd say check that one out. Um, CloudHub is also a good one. Rumble doesn't have the same social inter interactivity anyway. Uh, I was going to show some uh, Thomas Sowell. I will save that for another episode. I'm going to take a quick break. Then I'm going to come back and you'll have um, your economic forecast as I promised. So we are going to take that break right now and come right back with that to end the show. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation eBook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. You can also learn more by watching episode 62 of the Patriot Review. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. 
Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. So a couple things I wanted to hit on before we go to the economic forecast. Uh, The whole concept, I really think that Freeman had something there when he said, you know, we are a family society and not an individual society. I, I talk a lot about individual freedoms and individual liberty because I believe that everybody should have those rights and does have those rights guaranteed them by the Constitution. And if you really believe in individual liberty, you therefore cannot be racist. You cannot uh, be misogynistic. Uh, you really are an individualist purist. That is not saying that you are are not also uh that you don't understand that this is a family society. And you look back through time since the 1960s, I would say, especially, the government has been there to take advantage of of every uh, well-meaning movement, major movement that has come along. They hijacked feminism to make both parents have to work and increase the tax base, increase their wealth. They've hijacked uh, the whole um, desire to take care of the elderly and Social Security funds that were never supposed to be touched uh, by law, and they've legally or illegally spent that money away. Uh, and I think the, the same holds true for the family. They've attacked the family not only in this way of making both parents have to work, but they've attacked marriage, they've attacked family, they've attacked... Uh, the Judeo-Christian value set. And even if you're an atheist, the value set itself of, you know, thou shalt not kill and and, uh, the whole mindset of the golden rule, I guess is really what I'm saying, uh, it doesn't have to be tied to religion. So I think that uh, he really is on to something when he talks about, about that. And I um, hope you uh, think about it and comment to me about it. I'd be interested in hearing what you all have to say about that video, as I said. So, all right, I want to d- go to Dr. Elliot and the economic uh, forecast, and then I'm going to wrap it up. So thanks for being here today. Everybody, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. This is my weekly economic commentary. Um, oh, my word. So for everybody that's on the fence wanting to buy silver, anybody who of you who've bought silver and maybe want to add a little bit more, but you were just waiting for a pullback, this, we just got it. Um, so $18.13 per ounce is like the resistance level for silver. When you, when you look at like the, the lows where kind of a, a support line is, um, 18.13, it hit that about twice. Well, it just hit that again this morning. It's like at 18.11 as I as I record this. So you, in any bull market, you go two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, right? This is one of those one step back periods that actually retraced down to the resistance, that support line. This tells me this is when everybody should want to buy silver, right? 
But in reality, when we've got the supply chain disruptions, the inventory constraints, the inflationary pressures, the rising interest rates, the political chaos, right, everything that's, that's being done, even, even in the sluggish economy that we have globally, 1.2 billion ounces of silver are needed for industrial demand, manufacturing demand this year alone. Only 2 billion ounces are mined every year by the mines. That's only 800 million ounces left for all of the world to invest in, right? So, so when you've got that kind of a discrepancy because of these supply chain disruptions that we have, low supply, high demand, that always causes prices to go up. That's economics 101. But here we've got this special unique opportunity right now where the price of silver retraced to its support level. And when you look at that, historically, if you're a chartist or whatever, I, I am not, I'm not necessarily a technical, I always look at the fundamentals, but from a chartist perspective, when it hits that support line, it tends to bounce up like a trampoline, right? This is a buying opportunity extraordinaire for silver, right? Because I know a, a lot of us um, that I've been talking to, you know, are, are, are sad because silver's gone down and you just purchased it over the last four or five months and it's come down. Don't let that bother you because it's going to go up. I still feel when this is done, when this silver market is done, this is just based on historical numbers, right? Uh, you know, like in 2010, silver went from 12 to $50 an ounce because of the, that short squeeze that was happening then. This is where we're looking at right now. I still expect silver to hit 75 to $100 an ounce. The CEO of HSBC thinks all else being equal, the trend that we're on with these supply chain disruptions and everything else, he's expecting $100 an ounce in silver before this is done. So this is what I've been saying for, for about a year now, 75 to 100 should be where we're at. So when we just hit 18, that is tremendous growth ahead. Even if I'm the biggest dunce on the planet and I get an F and it's 50% of what I thought it was going to be, that still puts silver at 50. We're at 18. That's more than doubling from where it is today. Even if my trend is 50% off and I get an F, right? These are buying opportunities that we should never, never shy away from because it's amazing. So that's it on, on silver. Um, well, I also want to talk about real estate. I think over the next 90 days, we're about to hit a major market correction because when I look back at interest rates, right, January of 2021, the average on a 30-year mortgage was 2.65%. That was the national average. January of 2022, right, just eight months ago, the average is 3.22%. What is it today? In August, last day of August, 6.75% is the national average. It's more than doubled just this year. See, and estimates are just with, with Bank of America alone, we could have over a million adjustable rate mortgages that need to refinance in the next 90 days. Well, what about when you add Chase? What about when you add Wells Fargo? What about when you, what are these people going to do? The, the reason why most people have adjustable rate mortgages is because they couldn't afford the 30-year the fixed rate or the 15-year fixed rate, right? So you got a, a low-priced adjustable rate mortgage. Well, now when it resets and they need to refinance, it's more than double. 
it's going to be unaffordable for all these people. I, I'm expecting massive foreclosures ahead, which could be why Blackstone, the largest real estate holding company on the planet, has $50 billion in cash just waiting to buy houses and waiting to buy commercial real estate. They're not doing it now. They're waiting. They raised the capital to do that because they knew that a correction was coming. Well, they know what happens. They're, they're real estate experts. When, when mortgages reset and adjustable rate mortgages come due or they have balloon payments and now rates have doubled, more than doubled just since August. And here's the thing. The Fed at the beginning of the year said how many rate increases they were, were planning on having. It was eight to 10. We've only had four. See, there's a lot more rate increases coming and we've already doubled. We have a, a, a economic tsunami that's, that's about to hit. The, the world and in America, right? With all these these refinances that need to happen and, and they can't be done. I don't know what's going to happen to those families. It breaks my heart. So bottom line this week, silver, silver, silver. It hit resistance point. Buy it on this dip. Oh my word. Buy as much as you feel possibly comfortable with because this is like a huge buying opportunity when you hit that point. And over the next 90 days, Look for markets to really start correcting. But it's before the election, crazy things always start happening. October, there's always an October surprise. But now we've got this interest rate cycle thing that's just crazy. So God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Give my office a call, 720-605-3900. And get on our calendar so we can help you protect and preserve. Get into silver now while we've got these amazing prices. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.